this is not the first episode of Rising Tide Talents that I've recorded, but it is the first that I've published. And I'll be honest with you, this episode is not only much longer than future episodes will be, this one is also much more personal. Today, I'm sharing my experience with severe burnout and not just the fatigue, the frustration, the confusion that so many people face at work and at home. No, I'm talking about the kind of burnout that led me to dive into intensive therapy that manipulated me into becoming a bit of an arsonist and setting fire to my professional path, the type that had my closest friends and even my family members telling me they didn't want to be around me unless I changed my behavior. And the type of burnout that led me to so many tears. So, so, so many tears have been shed. The good news is it gets better. At least it has for me. And I am most excited to share that part of the journey. This episode was very hard for me to record, but it's actually quite easy for me to share and to release to you. Because I know that if even one of you hears about my experience and learns how to prevent burnout, or how to take back your life starting today, it is 100% worth it for me to be vulnerable and transparent and share my story with you. So thank you in advance for your kindness, your grace, and for your attention. I cannot wait to take this rising tide journey with you over the next few episodes. But for now, here's more on my brush with burnout. Rising tide lifts all ships Deep breaths in and out. Today, I am talking about my brush or multiple brushes with burnout. And if I'm totally honest, it's a topic and a conversation that makes me a little bit twitchy. Like I feel vibrations and some chemical emotional reaction in my body, which as you will come to learn is part of my therapy process and part of the recovery journey that I am currently going through. Um, I am far enough away from the burnout cliff right now. I've kind of crawled back up and, you know, deal with the analogy. It is what it is. I really have crawled back up this cliff that I either jumped off of or was pushed off of or had my toes curling over the edge. But now that I'm back on fairly solid ground, I am much more equipped and capable of looking back on all of the things that led me to a really dark, painful time in my life and a journey that impacted my personal life, my marriage, my ability to parent, my ability to be a friend. And had a significant impact on my career and my professional capabilities. So let's talk a little bit about burnout. And I I will be candid and share that my goal as I record these episodes and as I share tips and and tricks and tutorials and really value-based information that I have gathered over 20-something years in a career that has spanned marketing and sales and technology and journalism. Most of the episodes that I will be recording will not have such a personal bent, but it feels dissonant to not share the challenges and the struggles that I have faced. And my instinct is to say overcome, but I feel like so many other things related to mental health, this is at least in my experience, this is a constant living journey. It's sort of like if you have ever been prescribed antibiotics for an infection or for an illness, it's very common for the doctor or the pharmacist to remind you that as you start to feel better, don't stop taking the antibiotics. If you are into natural health, naturopathic medicine, as I am, 
you can apply this as well. If you are on a healing journey with your hormones or with your gut health or with your weight or any of the things that fall under the wellness umbrella, a lot of that is behavioral changes, habit changes. And as you start to develop these habits, you may think, oh, I'm fixed. I don't need to continue taking the foods and the supplements that make me feel healthier and more whole. I don't need to continue to engage in these physical activities like walking and self-care and journaling and, and all of these tactics, many of which, by the way, I will share both in today's episode about how I leverage them, um, but I'll share a lot more logistical and tactical and strategic ways that you can incorporate those into your career as you focus on growth. But again, my journey has proven to me that if I don't stay engaged and I don't stay active in the recovery process, in the healing process, then I will step back. And each time, as you'll hear, I have gone through these cycles of burnout and fatigue and ennui and low performance. Each time that I have gone through that, it feels even more painful because I have gone through it and it feels like I have somehow messed up. I will also tell you that in my experience, it is also much easier to have hope because once you have come through those struggles and you have felt better and you have felt more whole and you have felt like your boundaries are respected, you know you can do it again. And that's where the hope comes from me. So I hope that, (laughs) I hope that you hope. I hope that you find hope. I hope that this episode gives you a lot of optimism and encourages you to believe that your life can feel better. If you are in a dark place right now, if you're struggling with the direction that your life is taking you, I want to offer you this that the dark days feel endless and sometimes defeating and you're not sure what action to take, but it does get better. I would be remiss as I talk about mental health in in my experience through burnout to not additionally share resources. If you are in crisis, if a family member is in crisis, if a colleague is showing signs of not just fatigue and frustration, but true burnout, I will be providing mental health resources in everything that I share. If you follow me on Instagram at kwidrick, you'll see there's a link in my bio and I constantly keep mental health resources and, and crisis resources there. And again, for me, I'm very thankful that my particular experience through burnout and through mental health struggles with anxiety and a lot of the experiences that I'll share today, I personally never reached a point where it was a true crisis, but I know that I was headed in that direction. And so I'm extremely sensitive and mindful and empathetic that if you're hearing this and you are a high performer or you are a perfectionist, as am I, you might not know how to ask for help. And I just want to encourage you that there is no wrong way including just shaking somebody and saying, I don't know what I need, but I know I can't feel like this anymore. So let's talk a little bit about burnout. And again, this episode in particular, I'm going to indulge quite a bit of my personal journey and my story. I think it's important if you are going to listen to any future episodes or if you're starting here, I think it's important that you have the context of my journey because I am a high achiever. I am a high performer. I am in many ways a type A perfectionist. And I think that in this day of social media and in all of us sharing the highlights of our journeys, I always want the North Star of my experience and and your perspective on what I share to be colored by the fact that I have struggled quite a bit in my life with burnout and signs and symptoms leading to burnout. So in my experience, this most recent round of, I think, true clinical burnout, it started slowly and then it happened very, very quickly. 
So burnout is something, unfortunately, that I now realize I have a pattern. I have experienced stages of burnout pretty much every three years in my career. I started my career working in television news at the local level. And at the three-year mark of each of my first two stints in contract work, I really got to the point where the symptoms that I'll describe even 20 years later after starting my career, the symptoms that I describe now are very similar to the symptoms and the actions that I took at the beginning of my career, which is humbling to realize And also somehow it gives me a lot of peace that I am now starting to see patterns that I was not capable of seeing before. And for me, burnout, if I work kind of in reverse, this most recent round of burnout was by far the most acute and the most painful and had the most impact on my life. I had to actually take action to step back from burnout. And again, I'll share some of the things that I used in the real peak of my burnout, as well as some of the things that I am continuing to do now in this recovery from the journey. And hopefully being proactive and preventative about an event like that happening in my future, because it is not fun. But when I first started in television news, you know, this is an industry where if it bleeds, it leads. And I worked wild shifts. As a very junior producer, I worked overnights. I covered weekend shifts. I covered early morning show shifts. I would come in at the last minute. I actually took my very first apartment that I ever rented. was a studio apartment on the third story of an old house. This was in Syracuse, New York. I went to college in Syracuse. I dual majored in broadcast journalism and policy studies at Newhouse School of Communications at Syracuse University and started working in the newsroom at the local NBC station when I was a senior in college and ended up taking a job there for a number of years. But I took the studio apartment that I did because it was within walking distance. It was actually within sprinting distance to the station. And I knew taking the job again, fairly junior at the station, very early in my career, I knew that I needed to be prepared to always be on call. And I sure was. And for two and a half years or so in that environment, I excelled. I moved up in my career. I was receiving promotion opportunities and additional job offers and new responsibilities. I I do believe that I was considered a pretty all-star in that newsroom. And something happened at the end of that contract, right as I was sort of at the three-year mark, and I started to lose it. I started to be unkind to people in my life. I took out anger and aggression, which by the way, are not emotions that I generally feel. I'm a colorful, outspoken, vibrant person and I sure feel things. I have been known to lose my temper, to be snappy, but those are typically, when I'm in a healthy place, those are the exceptions to the rule. I am not known as somebody who is just always hot. I am pretty measured. I am somebody who has a lot of problems dumped on because I am usually quite good as a mediator or a fixer. And I notice now, again, this pattern that I start to recognize now, but that was clearly ingrained for the last few decades, is that when I start to feel the pressure, external pressure, internal pressure, I just become this like pressure cooker. And when I lash out, it is a sign that I am really struggling with my identity, with what the next steps are, with feeling either over-challenged, under-challenged, not sure what the right decision is. And so I can now recognize that conversations that I had back in the 2000s with news directors and producers and with with my colleagues and then additionally with my then boyfriend now husband with my friends i became angry and snappy and brittle this word brittle I, i've really come back to this as i've been reflecting on who i am and how i respond to stress and how i respond to trauma 
I become very brittle. I feel fragile. I feel as though if you talk to me, if you look at me funny, like I am going to shatter. But for whatever reason, my response to that is to be really hard back. And out of that first job, I really struggled with what my career move was going to be. I remember I thought, should I become a wedding planner? I'm really good at organizing and planning. And as a TV producer, my job is to get a rundown and get the show on time and make sure everyone's where they're supposed to be and saying what they're supposed to say. Maybe I could be a great wedding organizer. Well, I don't have a lot of design skills. I don't have a lot of style skills. I'm really just great at time management which by the way, has in turn helped me really move forward in some interesting directions in this later stage of my career or the middle stage of my career, which I currently am in. Anyway, thought about becoming a wedding organizer. I thought about going into public policy, which has always been a passion of mine. You know, could I help impact the education, public education system in a positive way? Could I run for office? You know, all of these things. And ultimately I decided, oh no, I'm still meant to be a TV producer. I just poured all of this time and and energy into my college experience trying to become a television producer. I'm not ready to give it up. So it must be the environment. So I took a new job in Florida. I thought for sure I need to get out of the winter. Syracuse, New York is the lake effect capital of the United States. And I was done. I was done. Winter is a choice. And I made the choice not to experience it anymore. So my husband and our cats and I got in a car, drove down from Syracuse to Florida, rented another tiny apartment, and I took on another job in television, this time in a larger market, where I was once again a small fish. But once again, my experience is that I quickly did well. I achieved I made a name for myself very early in the first few weeks of my experience there where I helped produce uh, breaking news coverage regarding severe weather. So we had a series of hurricanes that hit Florida back to back to back to back shortly after I arrived. And I really did well in my coverage. And I think quickly, it really accelerated my success at that station. And in so many ways, my experience at that NBC station in Orlando, Florida shaped the rest of my career. I think a lot about this kind of hub and spoke experience that I've had in my career. And a lot of it is centered about what I learned, who I learned from, the additional skills that I navigated, the difficult conversations that I was forced to have, the leadership opportunities, all of that really came from that experience. And I'm so thankful. But toward the end of that, I was given the opportunity. I recognize it as an opportunity now, but at the time it just felt painful (laughs) and a struggle. And I got very brittle. Once again, I had the opportunity to consider an executive producer role, which was sort of like the next big step for me if I was going to continue in television. Or I could take a flyer and move out of television or traditional television news and into a new company, a startup, a very bootstrap startup with one of my colleagues who was also leaving the business. And again, it's not about the experience itself. It's about how I responded. And once again, it was right around the three-year mark. I felt as though I needed something new. I needed something different. But I just was not able at the time to process those changes and those opportunities in a healthy way. And so as I felt more and more pressure at work, as I felt more dissonant about what I wanted out of my experience and out of my career, I once again went from this joyous, bubbly, extroverted, fun-to-be-around person to quite toxic. And I haven't had a lot of deep conversations with the people with whom I worked at the time. But I venture to guess that if they were to think back on the experience of working with me for two and a half years, and then the final six months of our time together, it would not surprise me at all to hear that my performance review shifted significantly. And let me clarify that it actually was not it has never been for me about my performance. I think even in this most recent brush with burnout, If you look on paper, if you look at my output, if you look at what I was able to accomplish, it's extremely rare that these feelings of burnout that I experienced actually impacted my output. I 
go into another zone when it comes to what I do. And it's not that I don't, that I refuse to be less than. I mean, I do. I really like to be perfect. There's a lot to unpack there. If you are a fellow perfectionist who is a high performer, I got you. We are a very special breed. But my performance review actually probably would have been stellar. I mean, again, I was being offered an opportunity to take a real leadership role, bump in salary, bump in responsibilities. I was on the track to be really accelerating my journey in television news. But I think if you were to ask them how I was to be around, was I a pleasure to talk to? Was I fun to have around? Or did I make everyone around me feel pain? And did I make them suffer? Were they walking on eggshells around me? Were they afraid to engage with me? I think the answer probably would have been yes. So fast forward, I have had now lots of iterations on my career. Very excited to have worked in the startup culture, bootstrapped so many things that I've learned. I'm sure I'll be sharing more of those lessons as I record future episodes because there is so much to be said for the experience of working with a startup that is bootstrapped versus a startup that is profitable or has taken on investor money or has a different business model. There's a lot to discuss there. But if I fast forward, and this is where people are probably popping the popcorn or they're ready for me to spill the tea or whatever it is. In late 2021, I exited a very fast growing, profitable private company in which not only was I on the leadership team, but I was in many ways second in command, sort of number two to the number one, if you will. And my experience through the three year, see the pattern, my experience through the three years that I was a part of that company have shaped the rest of my life. Absolutely. There are so many positive things that I will always feel and say about my experience, both with the team and my colleagues and our community and the work that I was doing. I'm very proud of what I was able to do and the impact that I was able to have. And I'm very proud of what we were able to accomplish as a team in the health and wellness industry. Having said that, I can contain multitudes and two things can be true at the same time. And I can tell you that while I would not change any of what I did, any of what I learned, I have no regrets about my experience I'm thankful and will be grateful for the rest of my life for the three years that I spent at that company. I became a very unhappy, troubled person at the end of that. And I shared with you that I have had these patterns every three years or so in my career. I go through this. It's like an identity crisis. I struggle with who I am and what do I want to do and what do I want to say and how comfortable am I in my skin and and how confident am I in what I do and what that says about me every three years, like clockwork, basically. But something was very different in this experience. And I think it's important that I share the context as well. So I shared that in 2021, I exited. And that I had been at the company for about three years. Well, that also tells you that I was with this company through the pandemic. So if I'm really gracious in my retelling of the experience or in my walkaways, I have to remind myself that I have the pattern of burning out every three years or experiencing symptoms of burnout. And the same thing happened here. I was in a much higher level position at a very different company with a very, very different culture than I had experienced before. But I also did so through a global pandemic when the world was crazy. (laughs) And I think so many of us will be coping with our feelings and our response to the pandemic probably for the rest of our lives. 
And so if I was on fire, the pandemic for sure was an accelerant on that fire. But I became not just brittle. I just became a very toxic person to be around. And if you are listening to this and you were in my life, close to me, worked with me, had conversations with me, I am interested to know, well, don't tell me. (laughs) I'm in the healing process. I am not looking back too much on that other than to use it to teach me moving forward. But I am curious to know whether similar to what I shared about, you know, my performance reviews probably always would have been gold stars, A plus. But for some people, I imagine that it was painful to be around me. You know, not to be overly dramatic, but I'm a crier. And the amount of tears that I shed for six months through toward the end of 2021, I cried all the time, all the time. And a big shift for me was that I wasn't just crying at home, in the shower, on the car ride home, on Saturday mornings, looking out over the water, processing it all. I wasn't just crying in private, but I was crying at work. And that is, oh man, I'm like still feeling the feels now when I share that because it's such an outward sign that I was, it was more than just struggle. It was more than just burnout. It was like clinical anxiety, depression, stress ball, burnout. I would cry at the smallest piece of criticism. I would cry when I was frustrated, which was a lot. And to be clear, I think it's the part of the story that I'm most interested in, frankly, is the role that I played. There was absolutely a lot to say about the role that that particular culture or that leadership style or the team dynamic or the work product, all of those things for sure contributed to it. But to be honest with you, the only thing that I can control and the only thing that I can really learn from moving forward is regarding my role and what happened to me internally when some of those external things started to happen or started to avalanche or started to go in a different direction. The role that I played is the thing that's most interesting to me and the most helpful and actionable. And the thing, by the way, that I work on with my therapist. And in therapy, I have really adopted better habits, better tools, better ways to respond either to trauma or to stress. And I'm thankful for that because it allows me to recognize that there are things that I did or didn't do that regardless of the culture, take me and put me in the next environment with the next team in a new culture. All of those external peripheral things might change But if I don't figure out how to behave in a more healthy way and have a better response to those stressors, then nothing is going to change. So I know that there were things in the environment that negatively impacted me and that I can look back on objectively and say, this was wrong. This did not set me up for success. This was a trigger. This was frustrating. This was not a good example of leadership. But I am positive that that could be said for any work environment in any culture. And so I'm just not that interested, to be honest with you, in trying to not only diagnose or fix like, the cultures in which I have worked. I can't. It's, that feels like a wasted exercise to me. But I can be really cognizant of the role that I played. And I think more importantly better understanding that when I exhibit certain symptoms, when I start to act in a certain way or think in a certain way or stop acting in a certain way, or when I stop setting, vocalizing, and enforcing the boundaries that do help me stay healthy, 
when when I do or do not do certain things, my everything suffers. And let's shift into the things that have helped me and what I'm doing differently. I am sharing this because I am always interested in hearing what type of exercises and healing mechanisms other people use and how it's effective for them. Um, There are things that I'll share, like my journaling practice, that if you had asked me, hey, Katie, do you journal? Do you think journaling? Like, I, I was not a journaler. I did not meditate. These are not things that felt like good fits for me. But because I reached a point where I was like, well, the things I know how to do aren't working. And here I am. I'm a disaster. I'm crying all the time. I'm yelling in meetings. I'm snapping at people. I am hearing words come out of my mouth that I'm like, Katie, you don't feel that way. Or your, your emotions are so outsized for the situation. Like, why are you responding at a level 12 when this is at best a level four situation? So I certainly got to a point, and this is where I know it was different in this most recent experience than before, where I truly had to give it up. I had to say none of the things that I'm doing or have done or know to do are working. So why would I continue to block out strategies or options that have helped other people or that could help me? And I am privileged enough that money was not going to be an obstacle. I am one of the most frugal people you'll ever meet. (laughs) I just, I'm not a big risk taker when it comes to finances. I'm not a splurger. But if you had told me, Katie, take this pill, do this thing, buy this journal, work with this coach, and it's a million dollars, I would have been like, sign me up. I will find the money. That's how desperate I was to make a change. And I was desperate enough to make a change because I could see that I had gone from hurting myself to hurting the people around me. I thank all of the relationship gods for giving me the family that I have, my husband, my two children, incredibly supportive extended family, my parents, in-laws, cu- I mean, you name it. I have the most wonderful, generous people, gracious people in my life and enough people that call me out, including my husband, who I did not take it personally when he would say, I love you, but I sure don't like you right now. <laughs> or I feel like there's more going on than maybe you recognize because the way that you're talking to me, the lack of patience you have for the kids. I mean, he really, he was able to spotlight the things that I probably knew subconsciously and was able to communicate it in in a way that felt very safe to me. And it's in large part because of these sort of mini interventions. I never had a big dramatic intervention with my behavior, but I had a few some of which I'm sure I'll share and some which will always be private to me. But in particular, there was a conversation that I had with my husband and there was a conversation that I had with my closest work colleague. And in each of those cases, from a place of love, they basically told me, cut it out. I mean, don't come to work tomorrow if you are going to act like this. Quit. I'd rather see you quit than bring this bad energy tomorrow. You're not fun to be around. You're toxic right now. Those are the type of words that came out of the mouths of two people that I genuinely love and trust and know care more deeply for me than what I do. And those were the two mini interventions in particular that had me going like, I can't, I just can't do this anymore. I have to make a change. So the things that I'm doing now that are different are extensions of the things that I did when I really did have those interventions. And I said, I have to make a massive change. The only difference now with six, seven months of context and and journey is that I really do feel like I was in a pretty clinical recovery period where I was seeing a therapist at least every two weeks and more frequently if needed. I have her for text support, for phone call support, if and as needed. Um, But dedicating myself to going to very intensive cognitive behavioral therapy and some additional strategies like EMDR, which I will share more about in future episodes, but, you know, really intensive therapy 
where I was taking it very, very seriously, taking a sabbatical, literally leaving my job, working with a health coach who could help me get a handle on my hormones. Because even though so much of it was up in my head and I knew it was related to mental health, I was very clear that my body was telling me something too. And so, you know, started getting blood work and labs done to really figure out what was happening chemically in my body. It turns out my adrenals were absolutely in the toilet. So literally my physical and chemical ability to respond to stress and trauma was non-existent. And so when I added that to all of the struggles I was going through with my brain and my behavioral therapy, um, getting those two things in order and then taking time off of work, walking away from work, those were the three things that became extremely imperative for me. And I do think that that was as close as I've come to crisis. Like that was my crisis response. I can no longer go to this environment where I feel deeply hurt and in pain and I am negatively impacting people. So I removed that from my life. I worked with a therapist and did this deep, deep behavioral therapy work and committed to that process in a way that I don't know that I was really prepared to do even months before I took it and still take it very, very seriously. The exercises that I was given, the experiences that I had both in the session and out of the session, talking with my husband and setting some new boundaries for our relationship and for how and when and where my parenting happens. Journaling. I mentioned earlier that journaling is something and meditating. These are two techniques that I have always really been respectful of and I know work for other people. They just never felt like a good fit for me. But I gave in to anything, anything that people told me would work. I mean, truly, like I have become quite woo. Bring on the recce, bring on the sound baths, bring on the EMDR, bring bring it on. But journaling, or in my case, free writing, and really thinking of it from an abundance mindset and manifestation rather than just documenting what I'm feeling and what I'm doing, that to me, I think was the biggest shift is instead of thinking of journaling as an exercise where you're documenting what you're doing right now and what you're feeling right now, using it as an exercise to really kind of release these big dreams and big goals and and not worry about the how and the what and the logistics. Journaling and free writing has been really positively impactful for me. And yes, I do now try to consistently practice meditation, particularly guided meditation. This is a weak spot for me. It's hard for me to quiet my brain. I like to have noise on when I work. I like to have noise when I sleep. I do feel more engaged in healthy behaviors if I'm walking and listening to a podcast or to an audiobook or to a webinar. So quieting my body and my brain and listening to somebody guide me through meditation is a stretch for me. It's taking me outside of my comfort zone, but I feel so good when I do it. So meditation has helped me. And then I would say the most important thing is setting some of these must-haves in my life. So my therapist walked me through an exercise in one of our first sessions, and it was the, I am at my best when. And so she asked me both in the session and then as homework to complete that sentence. And it did become a bit of a free writing exercise for me. And by the way, it's something I've come back to because I am at my best when is not a static fixed thing. I'm currently really understanding all of these new things that help me be at my best. I am at my best when I start my day with a walk and I don't just jump right into work. I am at my best when I don't work on nights and weekends, that I contain my day, my work day and my work product to very specific working hours. I am at my best when I spend some time at the beach. Every week, that would be my ideal. But if I can be at the beach, listening to and looking at the water with my toes in the sand two to three times a month, I am good. It changes everything for me. I am at my best when I am eating and fueling my body with the right foods. I am at my best 
when I am able to say to my family, I need a couple of hours of me time. And me time is usually something very indulgent, like sitting on the couch and watching Netflix for a few hours while in my jammies or taking a little shopping retail therapy experience out to the makeup store and getting new makeup or a solo trip to the beach or to get my nails done or to the coffee shop and just sitting and reading or working or whatever it is. And so setting these deal breakers has probably been the most impactful. And by the way, I communicate all of these to my clients in my new role. So the piece of my professional journey that we haven't spent a lot of time on here is what you'll most likely be hearing about in all of the future episodes. I am now back to running my own company. This is V2, if you will. And I am feeling so good about my future and about the work that I'm able to do, but also my ability to really take ownership of those boundaries. And so in my agreement with clients, even in the discovery sessions, when I'm sharing with them what I do and who I'm a good fit for, and we discuss whether or not a partnership would be appropriate for them. I share even in those early stages, here's what I do. Here's who I am. Here's what I bring. Here's the type of high achievement personality that you will get. However, you should know that I am very, very firm on my boundaries regarding work hours, regarding how you will communicate to me. I don't work well in DMs. I don't work well by text message. I need a fairly rigid set of processes and systems or else I start to spin out. And so I communicate that really early on in the process. And that's something I did not do in any of my previous roles. And the people that want to work with me and that should work with me, not only honor that, but I think are deeply appreciative that I am able to communicate that to them. And the clarity that I have now over the things that serve me and the things that do not serve me and the clarity that I have now regarding the role that I can play in having a healthy future and avoiding burnout, I have to communicate that and I have to hold firm to it because a major takeaway that I had through my experiences with burnout was not that people didn't respect my boundaries, but that I never clearly communicated them. And if I did, I certainly never held them. That's a really hard, painful thing for me to admit, but it is the role that I played and it is why I'm so determined to better document and take advantage of how good I feel right now and these healthy practices that I now have in place because I do feel more equipped and better able to recognize that as I start to decline back into burnout. Let's say two years from now, I'm starting to get snappy. I'm starting to be mean. I'm starting to have outsized reactions to circumstances. I am so, so hopeful and thankful that I am now able to better recognize that and to take quicker action. The pain and the depths of burnout that I experienced in 2021 I would not wish on anyone. And if you're listening to this and maybe you're crying because I used to cry to so many messages and podcasts when I felt heard or seen or when I felt like, wow, that person really has it together. What is my problem? So whatever you're feeling as you've listened to my story, thank you, first of all, for being willing to indulge my personal journey. And thank you for the work that you will do in healing yourself. I was in a very, very dark, troubled place at the true peak of my burnout. And so when I say it happened slow, then fast, that's exactly what I mean. It took months, maybe a year or so for all of these little micro aggressions of burnout to to build. And in a vacuum, in a bubble, I don't know that any one or even any dozen of those micro experiences were to blame. But all of a sudden, the accumulation and the avalanche of all of those experiences, plus my inability to handle 
trauma and stress in a healthy way, plus my inability to hold or to communicate boundaries, plus the pandemic, plus, 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 I very quickly went off the cliff. And again, I don't know, and maybe it doesn't matter, if I was on the cliff and got pushed, if I was on the cliff and jumped, if I tumbled down the cliff and maybe caught my fingers up on the edge and pulled myself back up and I never actually fell, if what I felt and experienced wasn't the lowest level of burnout or the highest peak of burnout, I am very scared to know what it would have felt like to go more into it. So I am very, very motivated to stay in a healthy place. I am so joyful and happy and optimistic and grounded and at peace today. And I want to stay here, but I know that it's an active recovery. I know this. I know that I can't get complacent with my behavioral therapy. I know that I can't get complacent with taking care of my body and my hormones. I know that if I go back to a dark place, that it might manifest in a different way and my treatment approaches might require different things. I have been very lucky so far to be able to manage my burnout and my mental health primarily with behavioral therapy. And again, as I have been addressing my hormonal issues, I've been able to do some more natural treatments we're using food, using supplements, you know, balancing minerals, all of these things. But I will tell you that if in the future I ever need additional support through pharmaceuticals, through different therapy approaches, through whatever it is, I will do anything and everything to prevent falling back into the trap of burnout again. And so if you have heard this story and you have taken away some type of treatment, some type of behavioral change or habit. I'm, I'm so thankful. And in my opinion, there's no downside to this, to taking better care of yourself by walking and doing professional and personal development, by setting boundaries with your clients or with your colleagues and saying, I'm willing to work in these ways and I am unwilling to work in these ways. Eating better, whole food nutrition, working with nutrition coaches to look at your chemical and your hormonal makeup. Like there's no downside. Journaling, no downside, no risk. However, if you are hearing this and you are either trying these approaches and they're not getting you out of those dark, dark, troubling feelings, or if you just genuinely feel like there's more going on than just burnout then I urge you to please, please take care of yourself. And if you don't know how to ask for help or you don't know what to do, tell me, talk to a trusted person and it's okay to say I'm not okay and I don't know how to get okay. I'm a fixer. The hardest thing for me has been fixing myself. I am always going to do better work for my clients than I do for myself. I am always going to focus more on how I can help someone else and see the clear path and be able to identify their objections and their problems and their challenges and fix it. I'm always, always, always going to be better at that than doing it for myself. But I can't possibly do for others unless I do for myself. And I want so badly for you to know that you are worth the investment of time and energy and finances. You are so valuable to this world. Your voice, your experience, your just being, it is so vital and in more ways than you'll ever know. You are positively impacting more people than you will ever really know. And so if you're struggling, if you feel hopeless, if you're not sure why your body is reacting the way it is or your brain is reacting the way it is, but you know you don't want to be in that anymore, I understand you. I see you. I hear you. And it does get better. But you're going to have to do the work. So I hope this has encouraged you. I hope that you have learned something. 
future episodes, I imagine, will be much more upbeat and much more tactical. I cannot wait to talk to you about growth marketing. I cannot wait to talk to you about the opportunities there are to build real sustainable revenue in your business or in your career. I cannot wait to talk to you about how to be more productive and get more done in less time. These are the things that light me up. These are the things that fire me up. But those are the things I can't bring myself to do and to talk about if my brain is failing me, if my body is failing me. So I appreciate you indulging me as I've shared this story. It's been difficult to talk about it, not because I am afraid of being transparent. I am not. I recognize that sharing my story has the ability to impact even one of you. And if that's true, I'll, if my life is an open book. I'll tell you everything I've seen, heard, felt, experienced, done, done wrong. Like uh, nothing is off limits from that perspective. But I am excited to be back into my sweet spot and my happiness and my joy. And that's exactly what I want from you. So thank you so much for listening. I deeply appreciate you and your support and your love. I feel it each and every day. And that is something that I was blind to when I was at my darkest. There have always been people that cared for me and loved me and supported me. And thank goodness, I think knew that my behavior was was the exception and was so against the grain for who I actually am and the energy that I usually bring. And so I'm thankful now that many of the people who I probably harmed or to whom I exhibited toxic behavior, to my friend who told me, don't come in tomorrow unless you can change, to my husband who said, I love you, but I don't like you right now. I'm so thankful that they communicated that to me. And I'm thankful that I was able to get help. Everything is different on this side of burnout. Thank you for listening to the Rising Tide Talent Show. For more, follow at Rising Tide Talents on Instagram and visit risingtidetalents.com. You'll find show notes, resources, and much more from today's episode. And that's all at risingtidetalents.com slash podcast. I'm your host, Katie Widrick, and you can find me at kwidrick. Until next time, remember, a rising tide lifts all ships. Rising tide lifts all ships.